It's 1 p.m. on the East Coast. For many people, today is Thursday, July 20th. For many people. For the lion's share of the world. Well, if you're in Australia, it's like tomorrow. It's the 21st. Tomorrow for them. Yeah. It's there today. Yeah. But for many people, it's not, it's it's just, it's a special day. It's Danny Moses's birthday. birthday. That's Moses S apostrophe birthday. I won't tell you that he's 54 years old today, born in 1969, but I just want to put it out there before we start. That's number one. Love Danny Moses, by the way. But today is obviously Thursday, which means it's market call. That's Dan Nathan. I'm Guy Adami. We will be joined in just literally a minute or two by EY from SoFi. That's Elizabeth Young from SoFi, whose parents are coming in from Wisconsin to visit her. So she's going to 5,000 relatively You quickly. once got your ass kicked in Wisconsin. I did. So yeah. It's a very diff- tough state, Wisconsin. Yeah. Got my ass kicked in Wisconsin once. Yeah. And of course, butters, because it's Thursday. Today's market call, Dan, is brought to you by FactSet, financial data and uh, analytics, analytics powered, powered by, by tomorrow. tomorrow. You know that already. I do. And of course, SoFi, get your money right all in one app. Now, what I'll tell you is it's a sort of tale of two cities here today. You have the Dow Jones Industrial Average up neatly, and you have the NASDAQ stocks down. So the market is sort of a push-me-pull-you, which is going to lead us to Elizabeth's note. Uh, but with that, Dan, how are you? I'm doing great. Um, you know, it is. It's interesting, and you quoted the Dow. Um, you know, Johnson & Johnson is up sure. 6%, so it's like a huge gainer in there. It's a big dollar stock there. We know that is a price-weighted index, not a market cap-weighted index, so it's fairly useless uh, guy. But it is interesting on the day of the NASDAQ's down 1.5%. You see the Dow acting the way it does. The S&P is down, what, 35 basis points or something like that. The Russell's down um, 1%. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about yields. I mean, I think, you know, a, a, a 10 basis point move in, in the 10 year Perfectly is, normal. Is, is nothing to shake a stick at, I guess. Um, but it does have the feeling of, you know, banks, which were better than expected, the earnings. We've been talking about them for a week now or so. They they keep going higher, right? And the stuff that rallied into earnings, right, um, you know, mm-hmm. are coming off here a little bit. And so that might be a theme that we continue to see throughout the, the, the balance of earnings season here, guys. I got some hate on the Netflix uh, real quick. Mean? Let's just throw a Netflix chart up because that's what we do here. Now, it's interesting. People say to me on the Twitter, how's that Netflix trade working out? I, I don't even, and it's obviously sarcasm. Gotta, first things first, you got to stop with the Twitter. You just got to like stop looking Should at I go it. On that stop thing? No, I mean, all of it. Maybe all of it goes away. I'm yeah. being serious. It's just like you are you will have so much more headspace once you stop doing that. Like so that. thank you, Elon, for kicking me headspace, off of Twitter. You know what? That's it's interesting you mentioned headspace. You need that like when you're in an automobile. Some of those cars, those European cars, yeah, you feel like the roof is right on top of your head. No doubt. Oh, anyway. So but so all right. So, so they're like, what, how so you doing with that Netflix? How trade? you doing with that Netflix? Yeah. Now we had said for a long time that I thought Netflix could trade up, fill mm-hmm. the gap up around five hundred. Now, it didn't do that. Let's just be perfectly clear. But it got I mean, you got know, close. Four eighty five. So I, you know, this is not I bring that up because there's no exact science here, right? I mean, we try our best to navigate these things. To a certain extent, it played out like we thought it would, yet there's still going to be people that find themselves unhappy because, as Carter would say, it didn't go to the penny. But here we are, just to want to bring that up, because obviously you're seeing very similar today in Tesla. So 
I'm just throwing that out just off the top of the show just so, because. So let's just talk about these two names really um, quickly here. So, so like, I was looking at this Netflix where it seemed fine. The guidance was mm -hmm. fine or whatever. I just didn't, you know, I, like, is it warranted that it's down 10%? Well, look at how the stock rallied right. in the days up to it. So, like, to me, if you had a Met quarter and, you know, it really comes down to kind of what the broader kind of sentiment is towards the market, to, towards the stock market in general. And so what, what I see a gap like this and not an uptick, literally, an uptick all day that tells you that some of the folks who were big in the name and have been buying on the way up you know what i mean they got to a point i'm sure technicals are an input there guy i mean you thought that that gap that second gap you know huge gap right mm -hmm. would be a magnet and it did it got in that zone so whatever man like you know the fundamentals aren't great competition's hot we got a, an economy that where people are starting to get a little bit more particular about some of the um discretionary spend or whatever and then there's all other things going on from a competitive standpoint so could this stock you know come back to that breakout level if we want to pull in let's pull out the one-year chart here guys so back in you know what was that maybe 375 or something like that when it broke out um a couple months ago you know that seems like a ways away logical. But, but but that's a logical space yeah. without question i thought the first landing spot i said it last night was about 415 and that was sort of the first stop down yeah when that stock was cratering that's where it sort of stopped briefly at but you know, I bring it up just it this is a very difficult game we try to and it is to a certain it extent is, oh, a game. It's most definitely a and game. we try our best, but you know, the market has a way up and down of humbling it's one. Most, all right, let's before we get to Liz, let's just pull up Tesla for a yeah, second sure. here. And so I, I think this is interesting. And you know, we made this point on numerous occasions. You know, um, I was bearish on the stock into their Q1 print in late April because I thought margins were gonna be weak. I thought demand in China might not be what a lot of folks expect it to be. And the stock, you know, sold off 10% the day after their earnings. It went down a bit more. I think it got down to maybe 152. And from those lows in early May, I mean, you saw what the stock did. It basically doubled. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about doubling, I'm talking about $400 billion in market cap after the company missed, okay, guided down, okay, and then doubles and to the tune of 400. I mean, again, it's just astounding. I started shorting the stock via puts, okay, getting short exposure, just above 200. It's interesting. You thought it'd get to 217 back then, okay? And that was not a bad call at that point, okay? You took your, you, you kind of took your foot off the pedal. I started shorting it. I get blown out here. Um, I did reshort yesterday. I think I mentioned it here on the market call here. I bought some puts here. But again, where's this stock going, mm -hmm. guy? Those guys, that quarter sucked. And we were sitting there on Fast Money last night. And, you know, the way Phil LeBeau came on, the reporter for CNBC, talking about it, you know, he's reading the press release, and it sounds like a beat because they beat on EPS or whatever. I actually think that the margins were bad. I, I mean, like, given that we already knew deliveries for the quarter, I just didn't think it was a good quarter. Yeah, and what I said last night, and I'll stand by this, I gave them some credit because margins were bad, but not as bad as I think some of the yeah. lower numbers. And it suggested that, they can lower prices, but it's being offset by some of the efficiencies that they seemingly have. Supply chains, uh, some of their technology notes. We'll see. I mean, that's no, that's the bull bear case. And I'm not, I have no idea one way or another. I tend to think the way you think, but there's an economies of scale thing, which is the bull case. The bear case is just too expensive. That's a, that's a fact for a manufacturing company that's operating in a very efficient manner. And I guess you could make the analogy is that until Apple started making the iPhone, okay, very few of Nokia and Motorola and, and Samsung, there was not a lot of profit in the hardware business and the smartphone sort of space or the cell phone sort of space. Apple literally 
has like 80% of the gross profit that exists in the smartphone mm -hmm. space, which is because of a whole host of the things that you just made uh, the case for with Tesla. And I do believe that that will be a pillar of the bear uh, of the bull case. If this thing ends up being a $3 trillion market cap company, which many people think will be at some point. And let, let me say, you could have said the same thing about Apple 10 years ago that it's never going to be a trillion and it's never going to be mm -hmm. three trillion so i am cognizant of that i just think in the here and now the fundamentals are not improving and the stock should not be at where it is i agree now. before we bring elizabeth in i thought this was the most important story of the day it's seemingly being glossed over maybe that's one of the reasons the nasdaq is lower i don't know but taiwan semi it's not about the stock although we're going to pull up a chart right now just to take a look at it because it's still in a pretty significant uptrend but it's the commentary around AI which really caught me. And, you know, we could put it in the show notes or we can read it right now. But effectively, the CEO is saying, yeah, obviously AI is the thing. I'm paraphrasing. You know, we see the demand, but not nearly commensurate with some of the moves that we're seeing. And so to a certain extent, I think he's calling bullshit on the whole thing. Not that it's not coming. Not that it's not important. I think more in terms of the euphoria around some of these names. Well, I think the euphoria baked itself into a whole host of other names. We know that there's just a small amount of chip makers right now that have the ability to make these advanced um, graphic chips that are such in demand, right, for, for all of these generative AI um, systems that go into the supercomputers, that go into the data centers, they're going to power all this sort of stuff. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we made this point now in the last two months, you know, NVIDIA has gained hundreds of billions of dollars of market cap on a $4 billion revenue beat to this quarter's guidance that they get. I mean, like, so when you think about that, does that make any sense? And, you know, Taiwan Semi is also talking about weakness in other end markets, okay, that we know was prevalent, mm -hmm. okay, before this AI thing. And we know that China's weak. I mean, we know the data in China is weak. So I think that's reflective of that. So it'll be interesting to see when we get to NVIDIA's earnings next month, okay, this is going to be- Stay tuned, sports I mean, fans. because if, if they just come in line with the guidance that they gave and they are not able to guide up i mean this stock could be down like 20 percent, like that i've seen it before yeah. i think it was november of 2018 if i'm not mistaken where nvidia traded down on their earnings print about 18 percent. so to think it doesn't happen it actually it's happened before yeah. So to suggest it can't happen again, I think it's folly. Should we do it or right, let's do it? This is this is literally one of your most favorite 100 times of the week. Hun Hundo. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I dig her. I mean, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, in a I just way, did. Sure. Uh, without further ado, that's a French word. Elizabeth Young, that's you. Profile will be joining us. By the way, he was just eating like a premium package of like mixed nuts, like walnuts and cashews. I would imagine. Yeah, pistachios, Brazil nuts. You know, it's just insulted. Yes. Pistachios um, are big in Sicily. I didn't know that until I oh. was in Sicily. They put pistachios <laughs> on everything. They put that shit on everything. You're it's Sicilian? like that. Huh? You're Sicilian? Half. Um, hey, Liz. How you doing? Hey, guys. Well, Elizabeth. You're up? also probably like a super fruit eater, too, I would suspect, right? Oh, yeah. Blueberries are my favorite. Blueberries are important. Uh, the yeah, acai. Yeah, you need, that, you need the bright colors. You need like jewel-toned fruit. That's uh -huh. what you should eat. All right, really? Liz, Liz, help us make some sense out of what we're Please. seeing. I'm looking at my main fact set screen. I think a lot of our viewers know that I have, you know, all the symbols by sector, right, and everything like that. And I'm looking at what feels like um, the first real down day as far as tech and some of the most kind of love stories. But then if you're over to look at, like, the banks, you know, like, look pretty good. You know, some of the big retailers, the big box, okay. Um, some of the oil stocks trading okay. Some industrials are trading okay. So, 
I don't know. Like, what, what do you what do you make of the, the the price action here? And what do you think it would take to cause like a sustained sort of sell off? Because we just had what the Dow made like like uh, you know was green eight days in a row or something like. We've had a lot of like a lot of steady gains in a row here. It feels like just like the Yankees are about to like kind of snap a little bit of a streak guy where they lost nine in the last eleven. Maybe the stock market is gonna is gonna is gonna break the streak of uh, of these gains these updates. Maybe. Well, yeah, this would be, I think, day number nine of a Dow gain. I think I sent you guys that comedy skit. It was a couple of weeks ago. This guy doing stand up where he's like, you know that they turn the stock market off every day and then they turn it back on every morning and everybody's out there like it's too high. It's going to crash. We're in a bubble. Then leave it off. So anyway, at some point, someday when we turn it back on, it might crash. (laughs) And the stuff that has gone up the most is the stuff that, number one, when people get scared or something changes, an earnings report comes in differently than they expected, and you kind of extrapolate it out into, okay, everybody else is going to have that same problem. You look at your portfolio, and this is some of this is common sense. Some of this is what portfolio managers are forced into. You look at your portfolio and you say, I want to take a little risk off the table. Or if you're a portfolio manager and you got some redemption requests, you have to liquidate in order to meet them. What do you sell first? You sell the stuff that has the biggest gain, that's the most liquid, Mm -hmm. and that right now is tech. It's those big names that have led us all the way in this blistering rally this year. So that's the stuff that's letting off steam first. Now, if the economic cycle does what I think the three of us expect it to do, cyclicals will get hit too. But at this point, because there's really no sign of that, the cyclicals like financials can hold up. And they've factually reported pretty good earnings. So compared to some of the tech stocks that have not reported the best earnings, I think financials by by comparison today are winning. Let's look at your note. Apparently, the, the, this must be an AI thing as well, because it tells you how long it would take you to read this note. And it says reading time, seven minutes. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they ascertain that. It would take me longer because I'm going to parse through and I'm going <laughs> to examine each word. But this or that now, I'm a fan of the early 90s music scene. And if I'm not mistaken, that's like a group called Native Tongue or something. Is that true? Or uh, Black Sheep or some group bla- like it's that? Bla- it's Black Sheep. It's Black Sheep. That's yeah. correct. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And, and the song is called The Choice Is Yours. And then Where the chorus is. is something like you can get with this or you can get with that. Anyway, it's been in my head for a few days. Sorry Hence about the theme that. of this piece. So here's what I did this week. And this one took me longer to write. It's it's a little meatier than my usual weekly blog post, but because I wanted to get through each point, partially this is themed based on what's going on in the market lately. I think we can all agree that the vitriol and the disagreements and everything that's happening between bulls and bears has heated up over the last couple of weeks, even though I feel like it's been hot for a while. But there's this pressure and this sort of necessity to choose sides. Everybody thinks you have to be on a side and it's not just bulls or bears. It's like you have to either be on the treasury side or you have to be on the stock side. Mm -hmm. So what I did in this piece was take three diametrically opposed choices that we talk about pretty often. We either talk about the asset classes or we talk about these choices and outline, okay, what's the current environment? What do they look like right now? What's happened to them over the recent past? And then if you had to choose between one of the two today, which one would you choose? Now, let me preface that by saying, I did this on purpose as a very yes or no kind of question. That is not how the market works. By the end of it, I say, this isn't really how you should allocate a portfolio. You can own both. You can be overweight or underweight 
one or two of these things. We're not all on different sides of this equation. Everybody's here to make money. We are all on the same team. These are just opinions of the direction of the market and maybe even not different opinions of the direction of the market, but simply the timing of when that direction is gonna actually occur. So anyway, I went through three different choices, puts versus calls, tech versus treasuries. Uh, those are probably two of the biggest ones that we talk about a lot. And then the last one is a hot topic lately, which is the dollar versus gold. Let's take a look at, you know, you also brought with you the Credit Suisse. I just like saying that Suisse fear barometer. So this is one of the one of the slides in that note. So speak to this because it would appear to me as we're starting to get a little elevated here, which should mm -hmm. be, I would imagine at some point having a negative impact on markets. But thoughts and why did you use this one? So the fear barometer is basically comparing how much it costs to buy puts versus how much it costs to buy 10% mm -hmm. out of the money calls. Okay, so as puts get more expensive, this barometer rises. Naturally, if people are buying more puts, they're afraid that the market might drop. So the levels that we're at right now are about where they were in the fall of 2021, which is it was November 2021 to be exact. We all remember what happened in November of 2021. The Fed retired the word transitory and basically embarked, whether by message or by reality, uh, on a hiking cycle and the market did not enjoy it. So we are at sort of that same point. That doesn't necessarily mean that this is a peak in the market, but there are a couple indicators that look similar to this. So if you look at puts and calls, this is one of those things where you say, okay, if I'm just making a decision based on valuations, puts are expensive, calls are cheap, but maybe puts are expensive for a reason. Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily, and Dan knows this better than anybody, you don't trade options just based on valuations. You trade them based on what you're trying to hedge in your portfolio. And right now, given where the market is, I would choose puts over calls. Fair enough. All right, let's do a little this or that. Let's play the game that you you attempted uh, to to kind of tease us with a little bit in your note here. So let let's talk about that. So with the with the you know with with the idea that um, you know puts seem kind of cheap ish, you know, relative to calls. So that that was one thing that's really interesting to me. That when you have periods of euphoria in markets, sometimes you'll see a flipping of the um, you know where puts are generally more expensive than that of calls because people are willing to pay more for downside. But in an all-out mania, you sometimes see that skew change towards the calls, and pretty much you know that that's probably getting close to a near-term um, top in the equity market. But let's talk about big tech versus treasury yields here or or you know like this this is a great chart here and so at some point you might expect this thing at least one side we call that the hungry alligator guy where uh, yeah, maybe I think the that, top, uh, yeah yeah the, the, it doesn't mean that the bottom has to come up so much okay so that would be the yields right and and in the purple um it might be that just the the tech stocks come in a little bit they have a little chomp there so talk to us how you're thinking about this relationship yeah, so this one is much like puts and calls. It's like if you're bullish on the equity market and you think that tech is what's going to lead us out of this and that we can go to the moon or whatever you think, then you're the one that is watching that upward momentum in tech and saying, this is a new bull market. We can continue rising from here. And you know what? We can continue rising from here because there is no upside cap on how far stocks can go. The other line, the darker line, is the 10-year treasury yield inverted and mm -hmm. I did that because you have to remember, obviously, we know yields go up. That means prices go down. So this really shows basically what the prices would have done of the 10-year treasury. At some point, if you're looking at charts like this, and I, we did this over a five-year period, a little more than five years, just to say, okay, 
where are we in comparison to the last five years? Not just comparison to this hiking cycle, but the last five years. So we're going like, over a year pre be before the pandemic, right? So if I'm looking at tech stocks from here, just simple looking at it in a picture, tech stocks look a little toppy, right? They're right around where they were in the beginning of 2022. That's when the entire market topped. And the 10-year treasury looks a little bottomy. So if I had to put money to work, it seems like the bottomy one is the one I would choose. So in this trade, I would choose the 10-year. The bottomy one. Well, it, what, and I look at this and I say there's clearly a decoupling going on that we haven't seen in quite some time. And and to your point, you just said it. How does this sort of correct itself or rectify itself? It's Listen, it, chances are that obviously yields start to come back a bit the other way and the market starts to sell off a bit. But I think more likely is you get this precipitous drop in the NASDAQ. And I think that's how it sort of straightens itself out. Now, that's what I've thought for a while. I would have said that months ago. I did say that months ago. But yet with each passing day, Elizabeth, this chasm continues to grow. Yeah, I yep. would just so Liz, I want to get your take on this. So, so next week, and this is really speaks to um, you know, what's going on in the Nasdaq. I mean, on the 25th, okay, this is the day before the Fed meeting, we're gonna have Google and Microsoft um report earnings. Okay, and and why is this important? Well, these two companies are obviously at the eye of this sort of AI storm, right? That got going earlier this year or so. And then you think, you know, Amazon's got a little bit of that pixie dust. We don't even need to talk about NVIDIA because that's going to be a ways out. Um, Apple, we saw the headline yesterday. Once we start getting these huge platform companies reporting, and if their guidance, okay, is not able to include some of the exciting things that a lot of investors are pricing in at the moment, this could be a sustained sell-off. This could be the start of it. And not because they put up bad quarters. It's just that the right. stocks have run, the valuations have widened in anticipation of something that's probably going to take, and we've been saying this now for a while, more than weeks or months. It's likely quarters. So I'm just curious, like, do you think from a sentiment standpoint that what we're seeing today as far as semis and Taiwan semi, Tesla and Netflix, and I think we could all agree, there were no disasters there. There were no bombs that came out. There were no big guide downs, you know, that sort of thing. Um, is this something that has the potential, in your opinion, to get some legs? And it doesn't mean that the broad market, look at today, and we started off talking about this, maybe there's more rotations into other areas as money comes out of there. Doesn't mean the broad market has to just collapse. Right. I mean, the other parts of the market would have to really pick up the slack, but a couple of things. So the valuations and, and the, like I said before, the blistering rally that we've seen in, in the NASDAQ 100 this year, we know that the market always leads basically everything else, right? The market leads the fundamentals, the market leads the economy, all of these things. This earnings season then, if CEOs are going to come out and guide for the next 12 months, that includes the first half of 2024, their guidance is going to have to justify this rally. It's going to have to justify the valuations that these stocks are at which so far it hasn't really. Now there's a lot more to go, who knows how the rest of it turns out, but guidance has to justify that. And I don't think that's happened yet. One of the things that we've talked about with the AI rally and the optimism is that when you buy a stock and you're trying to value it, no matter what the metric is that you're using, price to book, price to earnings, I don't, I don't care, price to sales, doesn't matter. You're typically doing it on a forward 12 month basis. If you bought a stock based on AI enthusiasm and that company's ability to take part or be a leader because of AI, they're not going to execute on that in the next 12 months, most likely. We're not going to find out 
who was the leader in the next 12 months. This is a theme that probably takes a few years to really develop and for us to find out who did it right, who did it wrong, what parts of it lived and what parts of it died. And when you have a new theme that enters that's innovative, which it's great to be excited about it, but any theme, any new asset class, any theme that drives stocks goes through at least a little bit of a boom and bust cycle before it settles on the right price for whatever that optimism is. So I think the steam coming out of the the sales or however the wind coming out of the sales yeah. for that AI enthusiasm is is normal. And if the CEOs don't justify the current valuations with their guidance, the more wind coming out is normal there too. All right. I want to save the bit on the dollar because I want to get to John Butters here. Okay. So John Butters is the senior earnings insight analyst over there at FactSet. We get a preview of his earnings insight blog that drops every Friday. We get to look at it on Thursday True and talk do. about it on market call here. And so this is interesting. I think this is totally in your wheelhouse, Liz, what, what Butters is looking at here. We're kind of a week or two into earnings here. And he's talking about net profit margins for the S&P 500. So in Q1, of 2023, they were 11.1%. This net profit margin is below the year ago, net profit margin of 12.2 and below the five-year average of 11.4. If 11.1 is the actual net profit margin for the quarter, it will mark the sixth straight quarter of year-over-year -year declines in, in profit margins. It will also mark the lowest net profit margin since Q4 2020. Analysts expect net profit margins for Q3 2023 and Q4 of 2023 to improve to 11.7 and 11.7, I guess, respectively. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there you go. Um, talk to me about this and how important this is for an S&P 500 where we're, we know that, and, and John has shown us this in his work, we're trading it nearly 19 times forward, okay, which is above the five and 10-year averages pretty healthily. How important is this piece of data that Butters is tracking right here as you think about Q2 earnings and Q3 guidance, Liz? I think it's incredibly important, but it's not at a pivotal point yet because we came from such an elevated level. Just looking at that chart, you can tell that we came from an elevated level. So there was room for margins to contract before they actually caused a problem or before investors had to trade because of them. We've talked about this before too. We've been cheering this drop in inflation all the way down, all the way down from peak last June. And it is good. It's good that it's not putting more pressure on consumers. It's good that it's not putting more input cost pressure on companies, but it also lowers revenue. Mm -hmm. And as revenue falls, margins are going to fall. So there was maybe some math error in the idea that margins were going to stay fat forever and inflation was going to come down and consumers were going to keep spending. Some of this is just kind of a right sizing or writing the ship in those regards. And, and I think that's okay. The bulls would tell you, or the soft landing camp would tell you that, of course, margins have to contract. And of course, the economy has to slow a little bit. They're just hopeful that margins don't contract too much below where they were in a normal environment and that the economy doesn't contract to a point where we're in a deeper recession. It's all still possible, frankly, but I think margins will continue to come down as the quarters roll on. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's the flip side. You know, everybody's to your point, championing and excited that inflation's going down, which they should be. But the perversity of that is margins are going to be impacted by that as well. It's just that's what's happened historically. And I think to your other point, margins were clearly elevated, which was a great thing for companies. And even at these current levels, it's not like they're getting crushed, but there's also probably further room on the downside for them to go. And, you know, that's part of the bear thesis. That's something that I've thought for a while. 
Um, you got a five thousand because you got some guests joining you. No, yes. Yep, I sure do. I, well, no, I think I. Mean, I... No, no. no, when I say something like that, it's not just I sure do. What I'm asking you for, I'm setting you up so you could tell the audience who is oh. coming out to see you. My parents are coming out, and I think they're standing outside right now. I heard the car pull up, but no they way. haven't come in the door yet. <laughs> All right, Liz, Liz, we appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us on cat, the Market cat should cat should have let him in. Bitty, itty bitty. Yeah, um, Moose right. out front should have told you. Sorry. All right, um, Liz, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We'll see you on Monday on on the tape podcast. Yeah, I dig Elizabeth. I, you know. uh, we, no, I do. You Can started I the that? segment by saying well, sorry, I'm ended by saying she's great. She's, we, she's, she's great. the best. Yeah, we have some individual stocks. So what um, we've been saying for a while on the home builders is, you know, we've been bullish, and they've been going higher. We've also said that there's going to come a day where things start to change in a sort of dramatic fashion. When it turns, it's going to be quick. And again, 24 hours is not a day make. There's a pause there for a reason. I, because I there's a, did. But, but you got to start somewhere. So let's just take a look at a couple of these charts because. What, what, all right, so what happened today? Well, I, that's the thing. I don't know when I've actually been so digging DHI, through. The, the, Palti uh, Homes, Tall Brothers. You had all these stocks. Big open on the high, yeah. Big, big reversals. Now, part of it, again, might be the bond volatility that you alluded to. I mean, bond market continues to be batshit crazy. Maybe valuations are, are becoming a concern. I don't know. But if we can pull up that first chart, I mean, this is something that you can't discount. You know, these are things you start to have to take into consideration because, as we've said for a long time, these will continue to grind higher until they don't, not to be glib. And when it turns, the turn's going to be dramatic. Dan. Yeah. Pull, pull up um, if they can pull up a, a day chart of the DHI. Um, so this is DH Horton uh, or DR Horton, sorry. And, um, you know, the, the guidance looked fine-ish, you know, um, and, uh, you know, there was actually a guide up. I mean, so I think the stock was trading higher, but then uh, I guess the orders to, for the third quarter uh, were less than expected. And you had that sort of reversal. And again, this is not like, you know, if, maybe they can pull up a two-day chart here and, and show uh, what's going on here. But um, big, big, big reversal, okay, to gap up like that and then close uh, or, you know, turn around. But let's pull up the Lennar and the Toll Brothers now. And Pulte Homes yeah. are all very similar. Yeah. So there's clearly something. And again, part of this, you know, again, part of the market rally, it's not built on home builders. But this has been obviously a feather in the cap of bulls saying, well, I don't know what you're talking about, G-Swiz, because these home builders are off to the races. Yes, they have been. But again, when things reverse like this, you have to take notice. It doesn't happen often, but it's happening today. All right. So earlier in the week, we were also talking about a group that looked like it was ready to break out and continue to move off of what I think uh, Carter would call a bearish to bullish mm -hmm. sort of reversal. This was the regional banks, the KRE. Um, obviously, this has been an area that has been heavily scrutinized now for months as we saw some of the components of this fine uh, index literally go to zero, right? Um, and then we had others that were just, you know, getting absolutely shellacked um, for a whole host of reasons that maybe ha didn't have much to do with the things that took down some of their peers. And, you know, Schwab earlier this week, we talked about that move, not that it's a, a regional bank by any means, but it had some of the issues, at least perceived issues that some of the banks that failed had, had that huge move. All right. So let's look at this. Zion, 
K guy, Zion Bancorp, mm-hmm. having a big move. This is the chart of the KRE. If you look at the Zion, I mean, it looks the same, same thing. exact thing. Right. That's a nice move. It's getting to that 200-day moving average. I'm not sure you chase that thing here. Dig into the financials. I'm sure our good friend Doug Cass over there at Seabreeze um, has done that. Um, and I know that he was kind of bullish of banks into this earnings mm-hmm. period. Correctly. And he has forgotten more about banks than you and I collectively, I think, would ever know. But then on the flip side of this, Discover Financial. Talk to me about this. Look at this thing. I mean, that's a big gap. Well, I mean, people will say it's it's specific to DFS, which probably is to a certain extent. But even if you were to sort of broaden this chart out, I mean, Discover Financial is a stock that really hasn't participated. Now, you say to yourself, well, what is this portending? Well, think about the credit risks associated with some of these names. And we've seen it. Capital One Financial. We saw it a few months yeah. ago. DFS now. And again, people want to sort of discount this. I understand the want to do that. But when these companies, when these banks start telling you and warning you and saying things that should be concerning, you got to listen. And the price action suggests exactly that. I'm not saying buy, sell DFS. That's not the point. The point is you got to look at these things and take note. Not everybody is JP Morgan. Well, and, and you made this point, I think, on Fast Money earlier in the week. You know, when you have Brian Moynihan or Jamie Diamond talking yeah, about I mean, no, no, but talking about a consumer, yeah. it's kind of a different consumer than Capital mm-hmm. One. It's a different consumer than D- D- Discovery, you know, that sort of thing. So I think it's important that these could be leading indicators, 100%. not lagging indicators, you know. You know, and um, we had and we had Sheila Bear on yeah. the show that night. Former chair of the F- FDIC. Smart woman. Yeah. I mean, very and you know, I teed her up with that question about Brian Moynihan. You know, I don't think he's ever seen a quarter where he didn't think the consumer yeah. was fine, which is true. Probably so one or two back in 08. But it probably I don't yeah. my, my sense yeah. is he didn't say it. Yeah. Um what do you think, Sheila? And she's like, well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing again. I'm not really sure what he's looking at, but credit card debt is blah, blah, blah. And she she talked about maybe the consumer is not as strong as some of these bank CEOs suggest. Well, she so, brought up a lot of the stuff that you talked about. Yeah, savings rate did. going down, yeah. consumer credit going up, and that sort of thing. And, and again, those aren't getting better right now. So um, I, I got you. I'm with you guys. Dog. Um, you were about to say dog. Well, maybe. I don't know. Um, let's look at yields for a second here because, yeah, we said the 10 years up 10 basis points, and I'm not sure this chart that we have right here kind of shows that we've been talking about. Like, you see that 200-day moving average that we're kind of at the midpoint of this range or so. Um, Carter would call this uh, a pair of twos. It'd yep. be interesting to see, though, if it gets back up because it's kind of equidistant, maybe three and a half to the downside, yeah. and, you know, four what is that four uh, four four ten ish or four oh five or something to the upside? It'll be interesting to see how it acts. It could continue just to grind in this range. And what I've said for a while is, as much as I would love to be able to explain what's going on, and and we try our best, we but do. if the bond market doesn't know vis-a-vis the moves that we talk about seemingly on a daily basis, how is anybody else supposed to interpret it? So again, the U.S. bond market should be the most liquid security at whatever you want to yeah. call it. In the history of mankind, legit, when you're talking about the biggest con- economy ever, doesn't trade that way. So the bond market is struggling to figure this stuff out as well. Well, that's a really good point. I mean, some would say, what, what do you mean the bond market doesn't know? Well, look at the 200-day moving average. It's flatline. It, I mean, like my point is, it's like it's kind of stuck in a range. It's banging around a little bit. It really doesn't know. And, you know, we have this this Fed meeting, the CME Fed watch tools implying a near certainty that the Fed is mm-hmm. going to raise 25 basis points July 26 um, when they meet. Um, it'll be interesting to see how yields react to that and what the commentary, how much has changed, I guess, in the last you know few weeks since that um, hawkish pause. But I got to tell you, dude, when we get out of that meeting, 
all eyes. I mean, we're going to hear Jackson Hole, put it on your bingo card, people, because Jackson Hole, Jackson Hole, is that going to signal the pivot when they get to five and a quarter? And are they going to take a victory lap as you've talked well, they about? They better it? not take No, no, a, but yeah. what I'm saying is if CPI continues yeah. to come down and unemployment doesn't go up meaningfully and they're able to kind of toggle those two things together, yeah. that's the soft landing scenario. It guy. is. I mean, that's the definition of it. It is, and there's a chance that that could happen. I think it's a slim chance. Doug Cass sent us a note, and we've talked about this. The calendar suggests and the way the comps line up, there is going to be, and you're seeing it in certain commodities, a reacceleration of inflation as we get into the fall. Yeah. I mean, that's just coming to a theater near you. You want proof positive? Look at some of these underlying commodities. Gasoline just is at a new all-time, not all-time high. It's a new high for the year. Yeah. So gas has been rallying. You're seeing what's going on in crude oil, seemingly found its footing. You have some, basically some of these base metals, which seemingly found a bit of a bottom. So you tell me, if the commodity market starts to reaccelerate, inflation is going to continue to be a problem, which is one of the reasons, by the way, I think the Fed is as hawkish as they've been because they have visibility into this and they see what's coming down the road. All right, we're doing this kind of backwards. Usually we start That's with right. like I mean, the, the, the index no charts. Let's go to the S&P. Um, this is one, this is a chart that's kind of fascinating to me. Um, and, and one of the reasons we talked about it yesterday on market call, you know, when it, when it broke out of that, that kind of consolidation um, in late April in May, and it made it back to those August, 2022 highs. Right. And we knew what those levels were, it was 4350 or something like mm -hmm. that. And then it broke out above there and it kind of went for a few days, checked back to that breakout level and then ricocheted higher and went from 4350 to 4550 um, in, in a straight line, you know, guys, the safest thing for your portfolio right now, and I don't mean this in the near term, would be for a check back back to 4350. Because when you have the sort of move unabated like we've had over the last two months, that's when bad things can happen. And especially when you consider the fact, and we talked about it earlier in the week, that these top 10 stocks, the way that they have performed in this period, that people keep saying, well, it's broadening out a little bit. Yeah, the banks joined the party a little bit. Some industrials joined the party. Some of the energy stocks, the OIH and stuff like that, the home builders. And the, okay, fine. But here's the deal. Those 10 stocks control the direction of the stock market, in my opinion. So I'd rather have an orderly check back where a lot of things come in in a fashion that mm -hmm. makes some sense rather than have some bomb drop in AI land and have the market down 10% in two days. Because when panic works its way into the market, that's when a lot of investors make a lot of mistakes. A hundred percent. As much as you want this orderly pullback with each passing day, the higher we go, the less likelihood that it will be an orderly pullback. Again, just my opinion. And Doug also mentioned has, you know, where, where some 38%, where a few standard deviations weigh in terms of the NASDAQ. So no, 38% from above the 200-day moving is, average, which, which has only happened one other time remarkable. in the last 23 years. So when we talk about standard deviations, that's what we're talking about. So again, if you believe that somehow it's different this time and everything paradigm shift, and that's great, then the stocks will, can, I don't believe that. I don't believe it's, it's never different. And I'll say this before we get out. In a lot of ways, it's worse. Yeah. Just saying. Well, it's funny, you know, on Fast Money the other night, and, and one of Melissa Lee's job, the fine, fine host of Fast Money, is to kind of tease out these sorts of things, right? Kind of get to the crux of our beliefs or mm -hmm. whatever. And I kind of was using some of that data about the NASDAQ and some of these names, and she made the point um, you know, well, these it's not pets.com. This is not yeah. what we saw in the late 90s in the center. 
Of course, it's actually much worse, in my opinion, because these the, companies the size and the, of and the, the companies and the predictability of these companies and everything like that, they're not supposed to have 10 stocks that all of a sudden it's game change because things that they've invested billions of dollars in for 10 years all of a sudden has a new wrapper on it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing that makes me kind of a little kind of a, a little uneasy yeah. about what's going on here. And, you know, even in a week like this. Microsoft puts out a press release about the pricing of their AI tools for enterprise, the co-pilot stock rallies 5%. The next day, there's a headline, a Bloomberg story that of course was planted by Apple about them and what they're doing, right, to catch up. And then there's a, a press release from salesforce.com, stock up three and a half percent. Trust me, people, I remember when Compact Computer and Hewlett and Dell, they would put out a press release that they're adding. You ready for this? A Yahoo button to their freaking keyboard and the stock would rally 10%. Do you remember that? Like, that Actually, happened. I do. Go I Google it, people. Google it, okay? Those sorts of press releases caused huge rallies in the stocks, and these were not trillion-dollar stocks back then, okay? So that's my rant. Say, well, no, it's a, it's a justifiable one. There's a Maybe. gamification. Maybe. Maybe. There's a gamification going on. But I think... That might be it. We run a little late. Here. Yeah, but we we are getting ready. We're gonna rest our voices a little bit oh. here. Yeah, we're gonna rest. Well, Danny our voices. Moses is here, by Danny Moses is here birthday. on his I birthday. Want, can everybody just here. type just for because Danny might be looking at it. if yeah. you can just type in the comment section, "Happy birthday to Danny." I mean, if you want to say something mean, you can do that. So, as well. so, so we Although, so so people can't see this right no, now. No, they can't. He's, he's flipping. He's flipping me no, the bird. He's waving to you. No, he's not. So waving you to and me. I have the benefit twice a week. He's flipping me the bird. We get to sit down and podcast with one of our favorite strategists. That would be EY from SoFi Elizabeth that Young. you guys just saw here. Once a quarter, and we love Liz. Once a quarter, we get Mike Wilson four times a year from from Morgan Stanley to cool. come to our studio, sit down with Danny myself and you yeah and just bullshit about the market well, that's what we're gonna, gonna do and we're we'll, gonna do that. We'll, we're gonna have a great conversation i'm just telling you right now yeah. i'm looking forward to it i actually have the title of the show in my head i'm not gonna divulge no. it you're gonna, to, you're, gonna, you're gonna have to go you're to your have favorite to with, podcast store yeah i have a favorite you're gonna have to subscribe to our podcast you're gonna have to smash the like smash button. smash the shit out of the like button and then you're gonna have to listen to it um here's the other thing if you want you could bug the heck out of amanda at riskreversal.com if begging. you have a bunch of questions put them in we'll yeah. ask mike some questions yeah. okay all right that's i mean it. that's is that it yeah i want to thank the audience always for being seriously i do appreciate it. time is valuable we, we appreciate we appreciate I, yeah. I i meant we yeah we appreciate it the royal we, we. um I want to thank our sponsors, FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. SoFi, Dan, get your money right. What? All in one app. All in one app. Bitch. I just had to do that because I just love doing that. I want to thank Butters. I mean, it ain't margarine. It's Butters. Yeah. I just so, so freaking good. And of course, the people that make it happen behind the scenes. Amanda, Stephen Rafis, Millie, getting shit done. Jacob. Jacob, who came, flew from North Carolina last week because Stephen was sick. Stephen had to go home. Jacob came up here to set up the pod situation because if they allowed me to do it, it would have been an unmitigated disaster. Fair enough. That's, I mean, think about that. Yeah. That's somebody that's, he's not, he ain't mailing that shit in. He ain't wearing brown. Not at all. He's, he's doing, he's doing it. All right. And that's it. I and that's it for it. today. Yeah. So with that, there's afternoon baseball at Shea for you Met fans, the winner of a couple straight. You're all excited. Oh, Verlander's pitching better. You know what? Take a friggin' at 40 years old. He pitched pretty relax, well last people. night. Okay. Yeah, that's great. 
You know, sometimes you capture lightning in a bottle. I mean, even Danny Moses can get out on a golf course. You ran every a once full Ironman at 49 years old. Was I that old? Yeah. I was 49. 10 years ago. That's the craziest thing. Thinking about doing another one. Don't. We need you here, buddy. That's, that's might, what do they call that key man risk. So you, you guys let us know on, uh, on Jacob the is the future. Look at this. Look at this guy. Jacob is the future. Demo is a Braves fan. fan. Look at that. Okay. We're having fun with you guys. Um, that's it. All right. We got to go. See you later. See ya. Bye. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>